Welcome to another podcast from the Royal College of Psychiatrists. My name is Raj Basord, and I'm a consultant psychiatrist based at the Betham Royal and Mosley Hospitals in South London. I'm joined today by Dr. Vikram Patel, who is a professor of psychiatry based at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. He and some co-authors have published a fascinating paper in the January 2008 edition of the British Journal of Psychiatry, and the title of the paper is Non-Traditional Lifestyles and Prevalence of Mental Disorders in Adolescents in Goa, India. So, Vikram, let's start off with why were you doing the study in the first place? What's the background to it? Well, Raj, I've been working uh, with a community-based NGO in Goa for the past 10 years, and one of the core activities of this NGO is running a child and adolescent mental health service. And we noticed that we had quite a large number of referrals of young people being sent our way from schools and colleges and referred by parents for a variety of emotional and behavior disorders. There was also the issue about a number of sensationalist reports in newspapers about adolescent suicides and uh, most recently, for example, uh, for example, violence in schools in, in, in India. So we thought that perhaps we needed more robust uh, uh, research to look at whether these were simply healthcare-seeking patterns or whether there was a genuine concern about the burden of mental disorders in young people in the community. So that really was the background to the study, a very descriptive goal of describing the prevalence of mental disorders in young adolescents. How did you go about conducting the study? It was a very um, systematic approach to first gathering the trust of the community. As you might imagine, we were trying to interview fairly young adolescents who in Indian uh, settings would be very much the wards of their parents. So we really had to first secure the permission of the parents and then secure the assent of the young people that we interviewed. But well before that, because we were working in some fairly rural communities as well, we also had to secure community-level assent, for example, from local uh, village chiefs. So this was a very laborious but very important uh, preparation for carrying out the study. Once we had a received all these permissions. Uh, we then essentially carried out a cross-sectional survey. We recruited 2,000-odd adolescents from two communities, rural and urban, in Goa. And in fact, this was only the first stage of what was a longitudinal study so that we continued to follow up these adolescents for a further 18 months. What were your findings? The findings were quite interesting, Raj. They were quite contrary to what we had expected. Uh, essentially, in a nutshell, we found perhaps the lowest rate reported of mental disorders in adolescents, certainly the lowest that I'm familiar with, which certainly took us by surprise, uh, was quite unexpected. Uh, and of course, then we examined the data uh, to explore the possible reasons for this unusually low rate of mental disorder. What do you think the reasons might be? I have to say that our data only gives us some clues. I wouldn't want to be definitive in my conclusions because this was very much a descriptive study. Nevertheless, I think the data does point out to some clear risk factors for mental disorders uh, and some clear protective factors for mental disorders. I'd like to highlight the latter, really. And the main protective factor we found was the very strong protection offered by support from families and parents in particular. And I think we, we believe anyway that this is consonant with our understanding of the position of young people in the Indian family system, where they remain very much children who are largely uh, guided and protected by their parents 
pretty much until the day they get married. On, on what are you basing the conclusion that it seems to be something about the family structure in which these adolescents are brought up, which seems to influence their low rates of mental illness? As I said, Raj, I'm speculating. This is simply a speculation based on our findings. As I said earlier, I cannot be definitive that that is in fact the case. What we can see from this data is there are two patterns of risk and protection. I've already mentioned uh, the protective factor, but we can also see that the risk for mental illness is associated, uh, as our headline of our, of our paper suggests, with lifestyles that are adopted by adolescents that are non-traditional. And we think that that puts them into conflict with their parents and therefore creates the environment, as it were, for mental illness. Your finding has some very interesting implications given the rapid rate at which India is developing and taking on the non-traditional lifestyles that you refer to in your paper. Doesn't it suggest that actually uh, Indians in general or Indian adolescents might be looking forward to a, a future of poorer mental health? I think certainly that would be one inference that we would potentially draw from this finding. Clearly, as I said, this is one study and we need to be looking at this population over time and also looking at what others are finding around the country. But nevertheless, that's certainly an inference of concern. It isn't perhaps surprising that the sensationalist reports of adolescent mental illness are largely coming from middle-class urban settings, and that is certainly one of the more unusual findings of our research. Typically, if one looks at mental disorder in India in adults, the pattern of risk is quite different from the one we have found in adolescents. So, for example, there is a marked increased risk in poorer people coming from more impoverished or deprived backgrounds. Here we find a complete reverse. We find an increased risk from uh, families or young people living in families from a relatively wealthier background, for example, English-speaking, middle-class urban families. So it seems to us, anyway, that um, this is the environment in which social change is much more rapid. And as you mentioned earlier, Raj, this potentially might be the reason why uh, there is an increased risk of mental illness in these adolescents. The title of your paper refers to non-traditional lifestyles. Could you say a bit more about what you meant by non-traditional lifestyles? What we meant by non-traditional lifestyles were essentially the the variable that we actually used to define non-traditional lifestyles, I have to say, was not a predefined one. It arose from our data. It was grounded in our data. Uh, so we used statistical techniques to identify which of a number of different activities that we had uh, uh, asked adolescents about that they, they pursued in their daily lives, uh, how they related to each other. We used essentially a technique called principal component analysis. And we identified a, a factor, as it were, of three to four different activities that clearly seem to be associated with a lifestyle that wouldn't be considered traditional. So let me give you an example of what they might be. Uh, they, might, they included, for example, going out to the disco or having a close, intimate friend of the opposite sex, which for a 12 to 14-year-old in most parts of India would be very, very non-traditional. Um, another example was shopping for fun, which might sound quite trivial, but actually it's extremely unusual for a 14-year-old in India to go about the streets shopping for leisure. Uh, so whereas, for example, shopping to help the family uh, by going to the vegetable market, for example, is, is, not a, is a very traditional uh, pursuit, shopping to go uh, to buy sweets for oneself or clothes for oneself is a better example, would be considered fairly non-traditional. So these are the sort of 
kinds of activities uh, that uh, that we found were closely related to each other and which our anthropologist colleagues uh, uh, really inferred were representative of a non-traditional lifestyle. In terms of cross-cultural research elsewhere in the world, has that finding occurred elsewhere? Is it the case that people have found that um, elsewhere in the world, those partaking in, in non-traditional lifestyles or more Western or wealthier lifestyles at the adolescent level or even the adult level end up with worse mental health problems? Uh, certainly, absolutely. There has been some suggestions of this, and I think uh, in our paper we actually uh, do in fact refer to some other work that has uh, also reported a association between non-traditional lifestyles, particularly around the context of social change, rapid urbanization and rapid social change. For example, nearly 15 years ago, the British Journal published a paper from Sudan that, uh, that really reported very similar findings. So it is a new. But Raj, what's really interesting about our findings is that there are also similarly very low rates reported uh, of mental disorder amongst children of Indian origin living in Britain. And this is, of course, where we think that there is something very powerful in terms of Indian uh, family structures and parenting styles that deserves further research. So um, I, I think you might be aware the British National Surveys of Child and Adolescent Mental Health show that the Indian subgroup uh, in Britain have a prevalence actually not very different from the one we report in our study, about four times less than white or black children in the UK. So again, that being a survey, um, we can't really explain why there's such a low prevalence, but what we can see clearly is that there is some similarity with the rates that we have found here in Goa. These very low rates that you're referring to that you found in your study, are these the kind of lowest rates that have been found in this kind of study historically? I can't be sure if they are by far the lowest. I do know that similarly low rates have been reported from China, for example, which from some other Southeast Asian countries, and also indeed from a very large uh, Indian study from the city of Bangalore in South India. Uh, so we're certainly... Uh, at one end of the range of prevalence rates reported, but we're not alone uh, at that end. Is it possible that your finding of these low rates could be a kind of methodological artifact? For example, is it possible that young people in India, when they're interviewed by researchers, are less willing to admit to psychiatric disorder because there might be a greater stigma attached to it, and that actually the slightly more Western Indian adolescents were more willing to uh, admit to poorer mental health because, in a way, um, they're, they're taking on a more Western approach to talking the, uh, about their, their psychology and, the, and their minds. Well, I certainly cannot exclude that possibility, and I'm pretty sure that there might be some element of uh, methodological artifact that has crept into our work. Certainly, we do report, for example, that where we could interview both the parent as well as the adolescent, the rate of mental disorder was higher than when we interviewed the adolescent alone. So therefore, uh, really pointing to what you were just saying earlier, that there could be a reporting bias uh, for one reason or the other. But even when we had uh, dyad reportings, reportings of both the parent and the adolescent, the rate was still extremely low compared to what we've seen in studies from the West. There could be other methodological factors, such as the cross-cultural validity of the primary diagnostic instrument, the DORBA, but having said that, the DOBA has been widely used in developing countries, including in South Asia, and I think we did as good a validation and uh, uh, preparation of our research team as we've done for any of our other research studies. So um, I would be surprised if that would be the main reason for such a low rate. I think there's a 
probably a mixture of reasons, but without any doubt in my mind, um, the low rate would have persisted uh, irrespective of any other methodological concern. This is a very large study. Over 2,000 young people were interviewed. Why did you go for such large numbers? Well, actually, one of the goals of the study was to really examine the impact of baseline uh, health conditions, including depression, on outcomes 18 months later. And some of the outcomes that we are assessing are relatively uncommon. So we needed sufficient statistical power uh, to actually look at the association between these baseline exposures. So, for example, a finding which we haven't published in this paper because it's, in fact, uh, a part of the longitudinal study was to look at whether baseline health and social factors predict dropout from school. And it'll be interesting uh, to know, uh, Raj, that uh, we have just completed that analysis and found that baseline mental disorder, although it's fairly uncommon, was independently associated with dropping out of school. So it might not be a very common problem, but it's certainly potentially an important one from a public health educational point of view. What do you think the implications are of your study for psychiatry in general? I think the most important uh, thing for psychiatry, I I think our implications are perhaps even broader than psychiatry, is uh, that we really need to understand much better how families in different cultural contexts relate to one another, how individuals and families relate to one another, and in particular in the context of bringing up children and adolescents, the kind of parenting styles that have been utilized in different cultures. I fear very much that in the current um, uh, phase of globalization that what we've got right now is a projection of only a particular style of parenting that comes from a particular cultural context around the world. And I think that's a great loss for the world as a whole. I think there clearly are things that are protective within different parenting systems. And there's an urgent need, particularly in the present context, to actually understand those uh, and, and, and then nurture and promote those. Professor Vikram Patel, thank you very much indeed. Thank you, Raj.